Girl, he reads from these journals he kept when he was a principal. Uncut and uncensored. Putting all his business in the street. The podcast, Ruthless Equity. The name, Ken Williams. It has been a whirlwind couple of weeks. Working with my new AP, Jeannie, has been awesome. She's on top of things, and we are on the same wavelength on so many levels. It's given me a whole different perspective. While this summer is chaotic, full of challenges, and many things yet to be done, this is a different kind of hectic. It's a hectic that is moving in the right direction. Listen, I have revamped my professional development offerings. You can find them at unfoldthesoul.com. Touch the speaking tab. I've got two new offerings. The first is the three-hour virtual PD experience with me. And then the second is the in-person PD experience. Notice I don't call these presentations or workshops because I don't know. No, but I do know. I've gotten to a point in my career. One, my confidence is at an all-time high. I know equity like no one else. I know how to make it practical, tangible, meaningful. I know I could turn those states around who have foolishly banned equity from uh, any of their policies. I can help districts that have policies around equity, but they're spinning in circles, having conversations that don't lead to any kind of improvement in student learning. I can move your district from PLC light to PLC right because I explain PLCs like no one else. I simplify it. It's authentic. I can take all those moving parts that are swirling around you, all the moving parts and make them make sense. If you are interested in Advancing your mission of learning for all, advancing your mission of equity, excellence, and achievement for all students, regardless of background. If you're a fan of ruthless equity and um, want to move your staff or district forward with it, get at a brother now. Go to my site, go to my page, unfoldthesoul.com. It reminds me of, it reminds me of that book I read. It's called, uh, uh, reminds me of of nothing nothing and i got 950,000 1100 books behind me right now on this shelf and some of them are great but none of them are like ruthless equity ruthless equity is a book like no other explains equity like no other speaks to you like no other the coach on your shoulder the guide on your side to move you from rhetoric to results regarding your journey with equity Pick up a copy of Ruthless Equity at Amazon.com. If you are a fan, you've read it, take a minute, please, and leave a review on Amazon.com. Now, back to the podcast. All right, baby, let's get into this. This was a short entry, but 
there's some stuff packed in I definitely want to get to. First off, let me do some leadership shaming. Shame on any district that doesn't provide the opportunity for a school principal to select their AP when that opportunity arises. Now, I know there are times, lots of times when, you know, you hire a new principal and there's an existing, there's an AP already in place and they've got to make that thing work. All right, that's fine. This is not like the NFL where you hired, when a head coach gets hired, like all the existing coaches who are already on the team, hell, they, they start putting their resumes in because a lot of times that coach wants to clean house and put their own coaches in. Same thing with general managers. A new GM gets hired on an NFL team. Like, you know, his success is attached to the success of the head coach. So a lot of times they they clean house. Now, we can't do that's not as easily done in the world of school leadership. But there are plenty of times when districts can provide the opportunity for principals to choose. You know, a few weeks ago, you like my district, they lost their damn mind for a second trying to come in and like micromanage this shit. And it's just it's crazy because like I'm, I'm tying results to this. So while I acknowledge there are many times when you have to inherit what already exists at the school, there are also plenty of times when there's just too much what, like like ham-handedness, just, just heavy-handed, top-down leadership that takes this process out of the hands of the school leader. You know, I'm trying to come up with something as cute as work wife. Like, from my perspective, I'm a man, so Jeannie was like my work wife. But I'm sure there's a there's a, a term for that when the when the, the school leader is a woman and you know you, you've got a, a, a male AP the bottom line is like you you are attached by the hip and you want whenever possible just like a district doesn't say hey you know you got 10 openings here are 10 teachers you know you want to hire people who are going to help move your mission forward and this is my first experience with a really just my first experience with a with a great AP and you can tell by the enthusiasm from that entry that um, you know I'm pumped about it I really am so so listen if you're a district leader or a school principal if you're a district leader please 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 give your principals an opportunity to select their APs when possible like be, in, be involved with the process it's just too important a position and the principalship is way too lonely a position it's way too isolated to not give principals a real say if not almost complete control over who they have you know just like I used to tell my teachers who would they would talk me into things that were not aligned with district policy nothing illegal but not necessarily aligned with what the district wanted and I tell them look as long as you stand by the results I'll go to bat for you but you got to stand by the results and I would say the same thing about a principal you got a hand in choosing your AP you got to stand by those results you got to you got to be accountable for those results I don't want to hear about your community I don't want to hear about adversity I don't think about hear about uh, second language learners and all that shit I don't want to hear about any of that no excuses no excuses and so let's make that happen now I'm in a great situation here because I've got someone who I got to select, even though it was a crazy process. Very competent. 
as I mentioned in the journal entry, we're on the same wavelength on so many levels. But I will tell you without skipping too far ahead in the future, our differences were as phenomenal as what made us aligned. Because Jeannie was absolutely complimentary to my leadership strengths and and mine to some of hers. And you'll hear that in uh, perhaps in future episodes. But um, I'm a risk taker. Like I'm, you know, my grandma said, you just run out in the street. I just, I'm a risk taker. I'm going to get out there. I'm very action oriented. A lot of times it works for me. And sometimes it's to a fault. And Jeannie, she, like, (laughs) someone would say, they examined me. They'd say, stimulus, then response. Like there's no pause in between oftentimes. And Jeannie had a great way of pausing. So she would think a little bit more than I would think before I run out in the street. And it really helped me in some ways to um, to have that so, somewhat pensive partner. She wasn't so pensive to the point of paralysis, but she was pensive. And we had a strong enough working relationship where she could push back and challenge me. And she did. And on the other hand, she's not as much of a a risk taker as I am. And I helped her with that. You know, there are times where we just need to get out there and and get stuff going. And just very complimentary, man. Just very complimentary. And the other thing I really liked about our working relationship was that um, two different personality styles. Like she had the, she she has a beautiful smile. But when those lips are closed, when that mouth is closed and she's got spectacular just these eyes that look right through you she's got a death stare is what I'm trying to say (laughs) she's got a stare she got that 75 yard stare that if your back is turned to her like that stare will tap your ass on the shoulder and say Jeannie looking at you and then you turn around and and your whole bottom half tighten up like and that was great because I you know I'm a big guy, but I didn't have that kind of facial presence. Like she got that. And it just, we just complimented each other in the best of ways where we were completely aligned. And then sometimes our strengths helped each other with, with each other's weaknesses. That's the first part I wanted to get to. The other part of this episode is rooted in something I said, how I finished where I said, um, this is a different kind of hectic. It's a hectic that is moving in the right direction. You follow my work on social media, you, you'll see a video. You've probably seen one already. I may have done two of them on what I call a different type of exhaustion. And listen, I'm not a, I'm not a researcher. I'm not. I just have, I have a gift for how to get the best out of people. I have a gift for how things work. I have no, I mean, no eye for design, none, zero. I know what I like when I see it, but like, I'm not one of those people that can walk into an empty, like we got some designers working on some rooms of our house and it's just crazy. They come in and they're like, oh my God, that's over there. And we can see this texture there. And I, like, I don't, that, that, that does not register with me. Like I don't walk into an empty room and just see how it can all be put together. But when people are working together, and we're trying to get something done, like maximizing human capital, I can walk into an empty room and see how people can work best together. That's my gift. I'm not a researcher, I just know shit. 
And here's something I know. And I'm going to codify this and include it in my next book, which is going to be uh, uh, targeting the leaders of that school. Here's what I know. Survival mode is when educators are working their asses off minus mission. I'm going to say that one more again. I define survival mode as this. When educators are working their asses off minus mission. I'm not a researcher. I know there's a a real crisis in our country regarding teacher shortages and people not going into the teacher profession and teachers leaving in droves, right? And I know there are all sorts of reports out there and stuff like that. But again, I'm a real I'm a real instinct and gut guy. And here's some of what I wonder. The reason I talk about this is a different kind of hectic that's moving in the right direction is because we have a direction. We are on mission. We are on purpose. And some of what I wonder is this. I say it all the time. 100% of schools have mission statements. In my 16 years of working with schools, I would say 20% of schools I've worked with are actually on a mission. On a mission. Which is about a clearly defined goal. Mission is about plan A and plan A only. There is no plan B. There is no plan C. There are no excuses. There's only how will we make it happen. We're all on the same page. There are a handful of commitments we all agree to do, leaving tons of room for our individual personalities, our individual quirks, our style, the way we operate. But there are a handful of things we're all going to do. And mission involves incremental wins, wins, clearly defined scoring and I wonder I wonder when I think about how many great teachers we're losing because they're in constant survival mode all day long grinding 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 these altruistic you're creating the future you're creating the future shit that's great for 20 years down the road but on a day to day basis teachers need a payoff they need wins They need to know what a score looks like because I believe, I believe that would keep more teachers in the profession. And I'm talking about more than compliments, more than wrapping up lifesavers. I'm putting a ribbon around it and saying you're saving lives and putting it in their mailboxes and shit. Keep doing that. Walking around with a, a, a cart full of donuts and coffee and relieving teachers tell them they can go home 15 minutes early and you dismiss that's all nice that's all nice but in terms of the work that that unfolds the soul what unfolds the soul is purpose and not spoken purpose right not you're amazing you're an awesome teacher I'm talking about we are on this mission we're all tunnel visioned about it And here's how we know we are taking steps toward our mission. How to score. How to score. Not end of the year standardized test scores, not state scores, not county scores. That's coming. I'm talking about the warm, what Shane Saphir would call that street data. That warm local data that informs how we're going to do on our larger results. 
there's not enough of that happening in schools. The altruistic part is not enough. It's not enough. I don't want to. I don't want some compliment loaded with helium. You're you're doing you're creating the future. I want to know what the hell I'm doing now. I want to know what scoring looks like, because that's what brings you back. It's not a whole lot different than when you're on a golf course and you're playing shitty the whole time, and then. You hit one drive down the middle, 235 yards, man, the greatest shot ever. That one shot alone will bring you back to that course next week. It'll bring you back to that course next week. And I believe that these things would go a long way to keeping some teachers in the profession. You know going in, it's not about getting rich teaching. You know this. You know inherently there are going to be challenges. But I just wonder if if mission-driven wins, if uh, frequent payoffs, if being part of something larger than yourself would keep more teachers in the profession. Because... This work is too complex and too challenging to make it just all about compliance and clawing your way to 2.30 in the afternoon is not going to do it. We are purpose-driven animals. We are. And that's why people who live, I believe, like on the highest plane, it's not about what they accomplish or how much money they make. To me, it's, 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 it's uh oh man I think it's Luis Cruz who talked or Mike Maddow somebody talked like something dad said like no matter what you do you be the best at it and you meet those people man they could be they could be collecting trash driving Uber uh you know fixing your toilet handling your your claim representing you as an attorney you know those people who just take such pride in what they do. It doesn't matter what it is. Like that is like the highest, that's like one of the higher planes of living to me. And we need that. We need more of that. It's it's not gonna take away difficult parents. It's not gonna take away students that come to us with challenges, but there is something about when you look to that left and look to your right, and you are with people who are on the same page. And one, one more thing I wanna say about this. I'm talking about organizational mission. You know, I'm not talking about individual mission. Most teachers, most staff, most adults in our profession have individual mission. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about organizational mission. Because you give me a school full of teachers of the year with individual mission, but no organizational mission. And then you give me a school full of Teachers who are not teachers of the year, but we got organizational mission and both groups are competent. We're going to whoop your ass every time. Every time. And so we need that. What are you going to do to either put that in place or enhance it? You know, because that's what I want these podcasts to do to either, you know, validate the great work you're already doing or shine a light on some opportunities for success. Folks need to be part of a mission, part of something larger than themselves. With mission two plus two plus two equals twenty, and that's the way it is. And so I hope that's what you take from this. 
that uh, you don't want to be in survival mode. You don't want to be in survival mode. If you're going to be exhausted, let it be be exhausted in the service of this organizational mission that this small handful of people in this school, under this roof, in this building, on this campus are all about. Be about that. If you need more information about how to get that started, reach out to me. You know where I am. In the meantime, share this podcast with others. Spread the word. Get us some new listeners. Go make magic for those kids. And remember to always start with the crown, not with the kid. On the next episode of the Ruthless Equity School Leadership Podcast, when you are the leader of that school, you bet not be afraid to throw fish back into the water, baby. Throw that damn fish back into the water. You've been listening to the Ruthless Equity School Leadership Podcast with Ken Williams. For more information about Ken, visit RuthlessEquity.com.